2: Hello, I'm Tom Butler.
3: I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the James Bond 8-Z
2: Podcast. Join us as three lifelong 007 fans go on a journey of discovery. We're on a mission to discover everything we can about cinema's greatest spy films.
3: By learning about the people who made them, in front of the camera and behind. The James Bond 8-Z Podcast is in no way affiliated with James Bond E.ON or the Fleming Estate. We've researched each episode as extensively as we can but our information does come from a range of sources. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate but sometimes we can get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail email us at podcast at
2: z.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the James Bond A to Z podcast, where L is for lighter. Felix Leiter, James Bond's trusted ally who's appeared in 10 of the 25 official 007 films so far, played by seven different actors. My name is Tom Butler, and joining me as we explore the many appearances of Bond's brother from Langley, it's my brother from Peterborough, it's Mr. Brendan Duffy.
1: Hello. You've, I'm not from Peterborough, but
2: hello. <laughs> for the purposes of this uh, intro, you are. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and joining him is a man who disagreed with something that ate him. It's Mr. Tom Wheatley. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> and just like Bond, who often has to rely on his American pal Felix when times get tough, we've drafted in a friend from America to get us out of this shark infested water. Welcome to the James Bond
0: Z podcast. Mr. Alan J. Porter thank you thanks for having me guys uh, and as you can tell i have a real strong american accent here so. <laughs> you kind of ruined my, uh, my 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 joke
2: there but uh yeah by being very as much as english as we are i think uh, alan is the author of uh, james bond the illustrated uh sorry the history of the illustrated 007 and co-author with his wife of the recent book the james bond lexicon and he's also one of the hosts of honor majesty's secret podcast network so thanks for stepping in and joining us for this episode. Um, as someone who has just spent nine years organising the world of Bond into alphabetical order, um, I think it's safe to say you're in good company.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was delighted. I was going to say when uh, you guys launched your podcast, I was like, oh, there's some other idiotic geeks out there who put stuff in your alphabetical <laughs> order as well. So we're not alone in that. So uh, it, it was nice to see it. And, uh, and thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, our pleasure. D- tell us a little bit about the lexicon then, because I mean, we're we're big fans of the um, just the amount of detail that's in there. But it really seems like a,
0: a real labour of love for you. Yeah, I've always liked those sort of books. I, we, my wife and I, um, I think it started with the Dune Encyclopedia, which we discovered when we were both at college. Um, and those encyclopedias of fictional worlds, we've got loads of different ones um, and. A friend of ours, um, had a publishing company and he'd done one on the planet, of the apes. And I was just chatting to him and I made the stupid comment about, well, how about doing one on James Bond? And he was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I said, oh, I think we can do that in a year. That took, ended up taking about six years over six years of actual work over a 10 year period to get it done. Um, so yeah, there was a lot more there than we, we ever thought, um, but it's an encyclopedia um, of an A to Z of the fictional worlds of Bond. So it's not about the movies. So you won't find entries for like Sean Connery and Roger Moore and George Lazenby in there, but you will find, if you want to know who, you know, James Bond's interior decorator is or who looks after his Bentley or, you know, the, the various brands of cigarettes and champagnes he's, dri- he's smoked or drank, they're all in there. So I think there's um, 5,000 entries in there. Um, we cover t- Every, every official, as in licensed, James Bond story um, from 1953 to the end of 2019. And then anything after that, we up, put updates on our companion website for anything that was published after December 2019. So uh, yeah, it's it was, as you said, a labor of love. Um, and it's an ongoing project, which is cool because there's new James Bond stuff coming out pretty much all the time.
3: Do you, do you find that um, if you're busy and there's a new James Bond film coming out, you think, oh, no, we've got to...
0: Well, yeah, we to ha- I will say everything. we haven't actually sat down and done the stuff for No Time to Die yet. So oh, okay. <laughs> That's the next big project. Um, we've done all the recent Dynamite comics, and, of course, there's a new Anthony Horowitz uh, novel coming out as well, so we'll be doing that and No Time to Die. So I think next month is when we're going to sit down and try and get No Time to Die done.
2: I've got quite a nerdy question for you regarding No Time to Die. Because at the start of the book you list all the different incarnations of James Bond. Yep. And you've listed Sean Connery to Daniel Craig as one James Bond. But now with No Time to Die, does that mean we're going to get a new James Bond in the lexicon, or will you just add another name onto the end of that? No, I actually,
0: I actually had Connery to Pierce as one. Ah, okay. And then Craig is a separate. Version of James Bond. Right, right, okay, ah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and then obviously whoever comes along next, will be interesting to see how they fit it into the so-called movie continuity, and we'll see how that. I like to think of the Daniel Craig Bonds as like a comic book miniseries, if you like. It was a separate, its own separate um, continuity, its own separate universe away from the, all the other ones that came before it. So, so I, I treat him as a separate. We treat him as a separate Bond in the book. And that was a decision because of Casino Royale? Partly that, yeah. Um, And that was basically a, a soft reboot and they were starting with him at the beginning of his career again. Yeah, so it was pretty much driven by that. But the reason we lumped all the others together, because I know in Die Another Day, there was some of the interviews and backstory around that, that when they were doing that, the producers actually said to Lee Tamahori, the the director, it's the same guy. You can't mess around with the fact that this is the same guy that's been there since 1962, because he he had some ideas where he did want to mess around with that, and they were like, no, this is the same guy. So that was like the official word that all the way through to Pierce, it was the same guy, and then obviously they did the reboot with Casino Royale. So that was our thinking. I know not everybody agrees with it, um, but that's the way we saw it. Yeah, yeah,
2: have your rules and stick to them, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. something that really surprised me as well, because obviously we're talking about Felix Leiter on this episode, was just how many different Felixes there had been um, yeah. beyond the films. Because I obviously I introduced uh, seven actors that I played him, but obviously we've had a, another one on, in the movies as well, in Never Say Never Again, and then lots of different other versions as well.
0: Right, and we even had the, the if you're going back to the TV show in 1954. We had the Clarence lighter, and then we've had different versions in the, all you know, novels and comics and so forth. Yeah, it's the same with a lot of those supporting characters. There's so many different versions of Money Penny. There's so many different versions of M, of Q. Um,
2: yeah. So Alan, you're here to fill us in on the blanks beyond the movies, which is something we don't do very often. But um, yeah, we're glad to have you here to hear more about the different Felix lighters. But um, just as a general opening question like what what are, you, what are your
0: guys thoughts on felix as a
2: character in the movies
0: yeah it's interesting because he is such a it's played so differently in the movies um i really do like the jeffrey wright version where he, he really became a fully fleshed character and you know you felt that connection with him and bond the others some of the time he you I like the David Hedson one. He's my favourite one. And I really felt there was a connection there between him and Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton. You really felt that they were friends. Other times they just sort of wander in and out. They're really just exposition machines. They just walk in to sort of set some of the plot up and then leave and they've got no real role to play. Um, So I think it took them quite a long time to figure out who they wanted Felix Leiter in the movies to actually be, what his role was going to be.
3: Yeah, I I completely agree with the exposition comment. Uh, I I always find it... Sometimes a little bit um, uh, disappointing in some of the films where it kind of pops up, and he—you can just tell that he's not a rounded character. He just comes in there, and he's a bit simplistic. But I think the problem with Felix Leiter across the whole of the film series is that you have that sort of fluctuation mm-hmm. across it all. So he's—he's he's such a—you uh, can't really depend on that character. In the in the latest ones, you can. He—he he becomes a fully fledged character, but. um you're talking there as well about sort of the changing characters, Moneypenny and, and some of the other ones, but none, are, none change so much as Felix Leiter in, in such different ways as well. Sometimes they go for a completely different approach to how he interacts with, with Bond. So I think he's a really important character for Bond because it's grown off the back of that. There is this sort of changing character all the way through and that consistency changes. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, I, yeah, I always find it a tricky character to follow. I think if you were not a fan of the Bond films and you watched maybe two or three of them um, with different Felix characters, you'd never know that they were the same character uh, throughout. No,
0: I, I have a feeling it sort of became a bit of an, an inside joke. I mean, I, I yeah, you know, I know originally they wanted Jack Lord to carry on, but they you know he, he was asking too much money, and then Hawaii Five O took off and he became you know a big star on his own. Yep. Um, and I think you know what was it? There wasn't one in from Russia with love, so we then got Linder in goldfinger which i don't know was an odd casting choice to yeah. go from jack lord to that and then i think it just became like an internal joke that yeah that yeah, yeah. you know every time felix is in we'll have a brand somebody brand new play it and it sort of just became a you know part of the trope and as you said that means that you really can't establish who that character yeah. is so,
3: well we, we often talk quite a bit about the the character consistencies and saying especially in the early ones that m as the as the Bond characters change and the storylines change you need consistencies across the film To mm-hmm. when people come and watch it they go, I know this is a Bond film I know some things have changed but I've still got that grounding in M and in in Q and that probably gave them the flexibility to change lighter but if they had changed M and they had to change Moneypenny that would have probably been too much so they, that was the, the one point of flexibility they've probably had across the films that
1: meant that the film still worked but they could have a play around with it I'm a big fan of Lighter when when he's used properly, anyway, uh, and I feel he, some, he feels like a safety net for Bond. There's a there's yeah. a, an air of comfort when whenever Leiter's around, you think, oh, Bond actually has an ally because it's rare that he does. You know, if he does, he has an ally. A short term ally usually gets killed off ten minutes later. So when you've yeah. got someone like Lighter, you do feel reassured that Bond is not out there completely alone. But it, yeah, it's interesting that he's never given the chance to sort of give himself any depth
0: yeah i was actually surprised doing you know reading back and doing um before we got on the call and doing the quick research is that he was only actually in 10 films i thought it was actually you know he was in less than half of the movies we've had and i would have said it was probably 75 percent just to gut feel but um you know it's you just expect lighters to be there um yeah well they
3: have sort of surrogate lighters don't they in some of the films that do the same job
0: yeah but he is such an established part of the Bond canon. You just sort of expect him to be there, but yeah. he, he's sometimes there. I mean, there's a couple where he's, he's mentioned, but he's not actually physically there, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah. He, he, his presence is greater than the number of appearances, if that makes sense, or at least to me, it seems that way. Yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah even when it's when you've got Jack Wade, you know, in the Brosnan films, it feels like like we say, he's a surrogate uh, Felix Leiter, but if you feel that connection again. You know, you can sense that Leiter is there somewhere within yeah. there. You
0: know? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Jack, Jack Wade is definitely Felix Lighter. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: yeah. For me, Felix Lighter
2: is... Um, it. I always think of him as the book Felix because he's much more of an integral part to the stories in the, in the books than he ever is in the films. And I think it's a real shame that we've never had a film that really sort of matches up to my expectations of what we get of Felix in the books. Um uh, because he's he's very colorfully written in in, in the books, and um, sometimes he he's not the characterizations by some of the actors aren't as memorable. Um, but in fact, very few are as memorable um, as they could be. So, what I'm yeah, I would hope in any future incarnations of Bond that they look at Felix Leiter as a real opportunity to to expand the world beyond beyond Bond. Um, I know that's something mm. that Eon's been sort of not too keen on but um maybe in the future with the the growing horizons at amazon they they might need to to, to build that that character up and i think we saw a bit of that in, in with no time to die and with um jeffrey wright it's particularly coming back for th- uh, well, three films
3: completely and in, in, in the modern day storytelling the secondary characters you need them to be rounded characters to round off, off the main character which is something that they didn't really tend to do in a lot of those older uh films you just had people in there that were you know serving a purpose, but now it it benefits the main character to have rounded supporting cast as well.
0: we definitely move towards more ensemble type storytelling I think in in movies yeah. and TV um, these days it's it's less about just the solo um main star so I think you're right if hopefully yeah. with whatever comes next and they build that if they do bring in Felix lighter it's it's a more consistent rounded character that we get going forward at least that's yeah. my hope yeah so, so Brendan. Let's kick things off by talking about who, who is Felix
2: and what sort of his characteristics in the movies.
1: So Felix is a highly ranked CIA agent. He comes with a wealth of resources, often relied upon by Bond because he's got that the, the financial backing of the Americans. Across the board, generally, he's got a good sense of humour. I would say most of them uh, portray that. Um, and He's loyal. He shows a great loyalty to Bond and like I touched on earlier, having that. Sort of ally that Bond can rely on is incredibly important, um, but it really represents the British-American special relationship. That's essentially what it is. It's it's sort of that in character form, isn't it? But yeah, and, and each different version they're, they're basically taken from that core principle that there is a special relationship, um, and each actor obviously will touch on on it how they play it differently.
3: Yeah, that that special relationship is an interesting one because um, it's it's one that is quite obvious in uh, the books and and some of the earlier films. Not one that you can really do anymore because it doesn't necessarily put America in a, a good light when you see... Basically, Felix plays the... Um, he's he's quite similar to Bond in the way that he has similar skill set, he has similar powers at his disposal, yep. but Bond's always the one who can do it better. And Felix Light is just sort of like his, his, his helper to do it, which probably isn't... I mean, the, the more modern... Um, uh, films that's not really the case they're pretty much on a par and i think that as i was saying that that gives bond more of a rounded character because um light is doing some of the characterization for him you mm-hmm. just by being friends with him and having that relationship you start building the character of um craig's bond a lot more which you didn't get in those early ones um but uh obviously um, Lighter comes from the books originally. He was uh, in six of Fleming's novels, uh, originally from Texas, which I'm guessing is why you're such a big fan, Alan.
0: <laughs> it helps, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, for those who didn't, catch, yeah, because we were talking about it before uh, we, we went on air, yes, yeah, so I, I live in Texas, so uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, and so he is, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've talked a little bit about his role of uh, US Mar- former member of the U.S. Marine Corps Corps, um, uh, and then he's working for the CIA. Apparently, the name comes from um, Fleming naming it after two of his American friends. Uh, Felix was either Bryce's middle name. And then uh, they had a friend, a mutual friend called Tommy Leiter as well. So that's where the, the birth of his name comes from. Um, he's often described in the books as sort of a cool character, sort of a no-nonsense guy, gets the job done. Um, but perhaps most importantly, he knows... But, uh, Bond's strengths and weaknesses that's why he's so good at helping him because he knows what he needs when he needs it and it's something that carries over to the films quite nicely in some of the films um, but in the books it goes into a lot more detail with how he, that relationship is built and the benefits that they have to each other aside from just being a helper to Bond and in the, in the books as well and in the films later on in Casino Royale um, he, Leiter is so important because he basically saves The day he saves Bond at the at the casino, Casino Royale, by giving him the money that he needs to um to to win the the card game, and that really defines that relationship because he's so indebted to him for for that, Uh, and that carries on across into the those following um those following six books. There's there is a lot of talk around uh in the books that lighter is is as we've said a much more rounded character. He he. He's really develops over the course of those books, and you see him in loads of different scenarios to the point where um, we actually see him die. Uh, well, we actually see him almost die in the Shark Tank, which is sort of covered in License to Kill, but not in as much depth as in the books. Where there is a follow up book where he then has a hook um, in his hand and he can't actually shoot anymore, so he has to leave the CIA as a as a result of that. There's a, there's other nice character characterization bits in the books as well that go into more detail in live and let die he's like he's like a jazz musician he wrote jazz music um and they go into this sort of story behind him and one of the reasons why he gets let off by mr big uh in harlem is that he's a big fan of jazz music which is something some sort of depth you never see really go into in in the films just goes to show you that sort of level that goes in there um and then uh yeah so i think overall i won't go into too much depth about lighter in the books, so I'm getting a bit too excited about it. Um, but yeah, overall, I think he's he's really in the books. There's a lot of debt to him, and he's a really important character to Bond. We know that Fleming is so good at characterization, so you could you'd expect that in the books. And It doesn't really relay as well to the films. In the films, they've sort of picked him up. Maybe less so in Doctor No. Maybe in Doctor No they, they started to get it right, but then over the over the course of the earlier films they sort of lost the focus on, on lighter. Um So yeah, he became a little bit less of a main character and more of a, a sort of additional help.
0: I like the fact that in the books he pretty much bookends both the series because he's in, he, as you said, he's there in Casino Royale, helps Belle Bond out in Casino Royale, then he go to the last of the Fleming stories, The Man with the Golden Gun, and it's Leiter who finds the injured Bond at the end of that yeah. story and drags him out of the jungle and gets him to a hospital. And it's like, I just love the fact that Leiter's in both the first book and the last book, and he plays such a pivotal role in both. And then, as yeah. you said, you've got his story dotted throughout the other ones of him being injured and then coming back, working for the Pinkertons and then getting pulled back into the CIA, CIA yeah. and... You know stuff about his fast cars that Bond's jealous of, and the music and all that stuff. So I, I just like the fact that he book. You know, like I said, he's at the beginning of the end of the sit of the Fleming books, and then you just get these little bits of growth of, of the character throughout, scattered throughout the other books. So uh, yeah,
3: yeah, Complete completely. Yeah. And and they sort of they they point towards that a bit, especially in No Time to Die, where they they start to reference their history mm-hmm. of working together, but it's such a it's something that really it misses out in a lot of the bond films where Bond doesn't have any friends doesn't have any links to you know people that help him in in that context and especially with possibly roger as well roger doesn't really hardly ever has friends maybe apart from sort of tibbet right um, yeah um and i i think that 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 makes the character significantly more two dimensional than. In the later ones, I definitely think they've sort of resolved that to a point in the in in the later films and in in No Time to Die. Um, Alan, uh, do you want to talk us a little bit about uh Casino Royale uh, and and Michael? Uh, is it
0: Michael Pate? Michael Pate, yes. You're yeah. talking about Casino Royale 1954, which I mentioned earlier. Where um, yeah. it's interesting, you were talking about the special relationship. So, Casino Royale 1954 was done. For For American TV, it was a live one-hour drama uh, on CBS Climax series. And this is the one uh, where they flipped the special relationship where Bond was an American agent and Leiter was a British agent. Um, And unfortunately, um, and they called him Clarence Leiter rather than Felix Leiter. And actually, in the credits, they also misspelled his name. In the credits, he's actually Clarence Leiter. (laughs) e-t-t-e-r <laughs> um but uh but uh, i i really like him and barry nelson together as bond because they have a really key scene which is we were talking about felix lighter being an exposition dump for me casino rail 54 is the zenith um it's how you do exposition and do it in a great way because you have a scene where the two of them are sat at a table And Bond is explaining the game of Baccarat to Leiter because Leiter says, I don't know how this game works. So while Bond is explaining the game, Leiter at the same time is actually briefing him on the mission. And the the dialogue goes backwards and forwards between the two. And I think it's a really clever scene it's really brilliantly done. Unfortunately, Leiter is also the one who says, oh, they call you Cardcase Jimmy Bond. And that led to everybody thinking that this is the one where Bond is called Jimmy Bond. And he's not. He's called James Bond. Barry Nelson introduces himself as james bond he's in the credits as james bond every other character calls him james bond but lighter says jimmy bond and everybody picks up on what that one and says oh that's the one where he's called jimmy bond and it's not and it drives me nuts and i'll get off that soapbox (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, but it's interesting that they did swap that special relationship that the agent was american and his helper um, and yeah. the guy who set up the mission was actually a British agent, I thought was an interesting way of doing it, because obviously it was being done for American TV, so the lead char- in 1954, so the lead character, the hero has to be an American agent. Yes, so, yeah. Um, I thought it was really well done. If you've never seen Casino Royale 54, it's I think it's on YouTube, and it's on several DVD releases. It's a re- Given the, the constraints they had of doing a live show in one hour, um, I think it was a really good adaptation of Casino Royale. And it's an interesting idea uh, with like, uh, the way that they used Lighter to actually explain both the game, introduce the the card game to people, which the movies never did. The movies never explained how Baccarat or Shaman affair was played. You just sort of had to pick it up over however many movies. Um, in that one-hour show, they did, and they also delivered the exposition in a really, really um, clever way, I thought. so. Um, and by the way, Michael Payne, the British um, uh, Lighter, was actually, in fact, an Australian. So just to confuse it even more, but, <laughs> but uh, Pre- he was a well-known, uh, well-known um, character actor. I think he'd been in a lot of westerns. Uh, he was very familiar to me from a lot of, if you like TV westerns in the fifties and sixties, you'll see him all over the place in those. He usually plays a bad guy. Um, he was sort of a professional uh, bad guy on uh, the TV westerns of the time.
2: Yeah, it's a, a version I wasn't very familiar with, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So before we jump on to Doctor No, there's also um, the Daily Express comic strips.
0: They, right. uh, do they, they predate um, the films? Yeah, they do. They, they're they around the same time, 54. Um, they started those. And that was the first visual of Bond that anybody got was really in the Daily Express comic strips is what Bond would look like. And they started those off by adapting the Fleming novels. So where Fle- Felix Leiter is in those six Fleming stories, you get him in the Daily Express strips. And then they started around 69, started with um, original brand new stories. And it's debatable actually whether the, the one of the Daily Express strips or Colonel Sun was the first official continuation um, Bond story because they pretty much came out within a couple of weeks of each other. Um, but I like to think that actually the newspaper strip was the first non-Fleming Bond story. But those strips ran for 25 years, right up until the mid-80s. Yeah. But I don't think they... Without actually really going back and digging in, I don't think they used Lighter much beyond the official adaptations. I don't think he was a return, uh, recurring character. They tended to do different versions of Spectre and different versions of Q and things like that, but I don't think they brought Lighter in for many more of those stories. But the uh, the Fleming adaptations are really good. If you can find those I and mean, read those, they're, they're
2: They're very well done. Yeah, need to look into those. So the first movie version of um, Felix Leiter was in 1962's Doctor No with uh, Jack Lord playing Felix Leiter. Um, I think probably the most memorable thing for a lot of people is his uh, incredible sunglasses that Felix wears in this movie because they are sensational. Now, interestingly, Felix isn't actually in the book of Doctor No, but he was added in here. And actually, because of that, some... Some people think his input is 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 fairly minimal in this, um, in terms of the the actual story. But I'll just tell you a little bit about Jack Lord uh, first. So he was actually born John Joseph Patrick Ryan in 1920, and he was his acting career was delayed by World War II. And actually, while he was in World War II, uh, he served in the Merchant Marines, and his boat was sunk by a German torpedo, and he was stranded on a lifeboat for 16 hours, apparently. And he promised to himself he survived would change his name. And after his rescue, this is when he changed his name to Jack Lord. So Jack Lord went on to make his movie debut in 1949. Uh, He worked on Broadway in the 1950s and became quite an in-demand TV actor. And according to uh, an interview that I read with him, he said he turned down 22 different series. ...before he accepted the lead role in a rodeo uh, show called Stony Burke... ...in which he played the title role. That's kind of what put him on the map in, uh, in TV Land... ...but that was actually cancelled after just one season. And after that, uh, he had pra- apparently been linked with the role of Napoleon Solo... ...in The Man from Uncle. Uh, he also was uh, considered for Elliot Ness in The Untouchables. And legend has it that he was offered the role of Captain Kirk in Star Trek... After the original Captain Kirk, Jeffrey Hunter, in the Star Trek pilot, they didn't want him to return when they got uh, the chance to do um, a redo on the pilot. Gene Roddenberry wanted Jack Lord, but Lord wanted co-producer status. And that led to Gene Roddenberry changing his mind. So that's something that will recur with Lord, as we will find out in a second. But yeah, in, in Doctor No, you find that Felix has been sent to Jamaica to investigate the missile toppling signals that are coming from the area and he had been working with strangways who obviously gets killed at the start of the movie and then he moves on to working with bond i guess the thing that most people know jack lord for is for playing steve mcgarrett in uh, hawaii 50 with the catchphrase "Bookham dano and that was the hawaii uh, show which aired for 12 seasons from 1968 to 1980 it's quite a hell of a run that really Sadly, Jack Lord died in 1998, age 77 after suffering with Alzheimer's. But back to Bond, Jack Lord had apparently signed a two-picture deal to play Felix. And as Alan mentioned before, he actually tried to get more money and to be listed as one of the um, co-stars of Goldfinger. But this was no deal for uh, Cubby and Harry, according to some reports. But Jack Lord actually disputes this version of the story. He says that... He did want to come back for Goldfinger, but what they offered him was what he called a no-bread contract, which meant he couldn't act in any other roles except for the James Bond movies for seven years. He said he couldn't even make a TV commercial or a play. And because the role didn't pay that much, and also there was no guarantee that he would actually come back in future 007 movies, he declined the offer to return as Felix Leiter. So what the truth is behind that, I'm not 100% sure. But there's an interview with Barbara Broccoli where she was interviewed uh, and asked about the situation. and She said, if Jack Lord said it, then it's probably true. So she reckons what he says is the truth. And from what we know about, you know, the dealings of Harry and Cubby in the early days, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going
1: to say. We know we know how they treated Connery. Yeah. You know, so it, it does sound like it makes sense. Yeah. But,
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds like a, a, a no-win contract just so they don't actually have to say no. They'll just give him a
1: contract that's so bad that they know he'll turn it down.
2: Definitely. So, who did they get for Goldfinger instead?
1: Goldfinger, which we, we've covered the, the whole film in the Goldfinger episode, but they got Cess Linder in. So, he he makes an, an immediate impact because he's in the stuff right at the start of the film when they, uh, they controversially have some man talk uh, that involves uh, Felix Leiter. And then the rest of the film is Felix basically sort of stalking Bond making sure he's he's okay and um, you know while he's enjoying a mint julep thinking he's okay when he's not so he just gets to sort of hang out go to Kentucky Fried Chicken you know so I guess we find bits about Felix Leiter in this just from the activities that he's doing but he as we covered in the main episode he was the only actor that was actually on location in Miami uh, when they shot this but yeah I, I mean he doesn't I don't recall he does actually do that much does he apart from just sort of Watch Bond. No, he's
3: just he's just helping out, isn't he? He's yeah. Bond top pops up and says, "Can you help me do this and this?" And he'll he'll solve it. He's not he's not that integral to the plot. But I I think he's the point where the lighter figure starts getting. I really like him. I really, I really like yeah, him. Yeah, I do I too. A, yeah. I think he's great in it. But it's it's sort of the point where they've gone. Yeah, just you know, don't worry about the character or anything. Just get make him fill in the gaps and and that's fine. And it's set the framework from then on for for what lighters like in later films but yeah as I said I like it though yeah, yeah
0: I agree with you I, I, I always see, see Slinder as like I don't know Bond's dad or yeah, you know yeah. he's he's just keeping a watching eye on him he, I mean he's clearly a lot older or seems to be older and you know he's just making sure yeah. he's his friend or you know the young kid he's looking at and you know, the guy he's looking after is you know keeping keeping a watchful eye on him but not getting in the way so uh, I always think of him yeah. as the the dad Felix Leiter
3: yeah, it's, true. It's, it's, it's almost like it, it's like the, the womanizing side of it where he's just like, oh, yeah. yes, I know what you're like, James. Go on. Yeah, be he, Careful.
0: Yeah. he Doesn't even know which girl he's talking about and things like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Well, in terms of his age, he was only actually
1: 42. Was he? OK. <laughs> wow. But, but he's he so just older, look, 42, he looks. Yeah. yeah, he looks a lot older. Yeah. He, he, in terms of his career, he was in over 225 different films and TV shows as a lot of these sort of actors, these that have smaller roles he's he's done the rounds you know he's been on alfred hitchcock ironside the saint danger bay new avengers the, the other main role that people might know him from is lolita in 1962 as dr kiji but yeah sadly he died in 1992 age 71 but bond fans will definitely remember his his felix i think helps oh, yeah, it like helps that. being yeah. in goldfinger as well doesn't it I remember, yeah, 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 definitely, and to be—he got, a... got—he got lucky,
0: yeah, and to be the first real character on screen in Goldfinger too. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, he's—he's yeah. Yeah.
3: He's definitely the one I always think of when I think of Lighter. He's—he's—he's he's probably the like, my go-to. gonna obsessed with Goldfinger, but yeah, he's—he's he's sort of my go-to one, not necessarily my favourite, but the one that I think of as Leiter.
0: Hang, hanging around, so
2: then we move on, hanging around
3: outside Sorry. KFC.
0: and apparently that kfc is still there actually do you know that kfc was not actually in kentucky it was in miami is that right Mm. that was helpful for when they were (laughs) pretending to be in kentucky (laughs) yeah yeah apparently they filmed it because it had the word kentucky and they didn't know it was a um a chain oh wow they thought they filmed it for some local color they didn't actually realize (laughs) it was like a fast food chain (laughs) (laughs) So
3: on from Goldfinger, probably one of the least disputed Bond films, to Thunderball, and uh, Rick Van Nutter, who took on the role, the third role of Leiter in the Bond film series. So much like the film Thunderbolt, Rick Van Nutter's um, role as Leiter is also a little bit of a divisive one. It uh, tends to be one where people either really like him or um, think he wasn't quite right for the role. He he plays a sort of he's he's more orchestral in the plans that happen in Thunderball. He's not really a, just a backseat. He, he's he's, he has a little bit more of a, an sort of overt character to him, in, in to a point where some people say he's a bit of a goofball in it, which doesn't fit with the lighters that we're used to from the films and possibly the book as well. You go you into depth there about Jack Lord Butler. There's not really that much to the career of Rick Van Nutter. He was picked up to take on a role, uh, not really because of his own career, but more because he was married to Swedish actress Anita Ekberg ah. who was a massive actor at the time. She was in things like was it the the Dolce Vita? But loads of other stuff, like massive films at the time. Yeah, he was he was married to her and they had dinner with Cubby and Dana Broccoli after Ekberg had appeared in Call Me Buana. So this is sort of kicked off the, the relationship and he was offered the the role of Felix Leiter without an audition although he did apparently do some screen tests with um Bond girls so yeah he had a more proactive role in thunderball and yeah some people think he was an inspired choice they think he was a lot more in, engaged with Sean in in that film but he and although he was good casting though the script was apparently or a lot of people said that the script didn't really give him the opportunity to use that that those skills and and, and develop that character enough in that one I think he's fine I do I, I completely agree with the goofball thing I always see him as a bit of a goofball he just doesn't seem to have any sort of chemistry with Sean for me he seems like Sean doesn't quite understand him or doesn't quite get the character but he does do a lot more like he actually is quite involved in that plot he, he, there's various points in it where his his lighter actually saves Bond from a, a scenario and later on he's the he's the guy that calls in the well, the army, I think it is, or the the navy, to come and have the big water fight at the end. So he does play a much larger role, but it's a very different lighter than in the, the first two iterations we've seen. What do you think to Rick Van Dutter? I
0: like I like the fact you actually get to see this lighter do stuff like flying a helicopter and shooting. Yes, guns yeah, and the and helicopter's a big one. Isn't it? Yeah, 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 and uh, you know, helping that stuff out and actually, you know, understanding the math of how far the Disco Volante could and couldn't have sailed and stuff. So you actually see him. Yeah. I like him. He's. I think he's closer to the physical description of lighter in the books than probably any of the other ones. Yeah. Um, you know, he looks like a Texan, even though he's from California. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I I, I I like him in the in the role. I didn't know about the Anita Egberg uh, connection. That's interesting because she's the Call Me Buina is the poster that you see on the wall in from of Russia. Course, with yes. yeah. From Russia with love. So it's her mouth that Korolenko. Uh, it's all
3: it's all fitting together. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So she was part of the Eon Productions family because that was an Eon movie. So, okay, that, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I did not know about that. It was interesting.
3: Well, if you look at his the films that I, I, I don't know a lot about, or didn't know much about him until researching for this, and his, he's only done about 15 films, and none of them are films that um, really made a lot of headway in the world definitely not stood the test of time so yeah that's definitely seems like that was the driving force behind him him getting the role in comparison to some of the other ones
0: yeah it seemed like he from the quick research i did he did a lot in italy he was like the italian yeah. version of ivanhoe and he did a couple of spaghetti westerns and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah
2: just what something you mentioned there Adel, about the physical description of felix so it's probably in the books he's he's blonde haired like sandy haired and what else do we know about him physically in the books do you know he's
0: just sort of he's tall you know he's he's taller he's got you know before he, he gets uh, eaten but he sort of you know uh, is a bit more of an athletic build and he's more mm. into that sort of stuff so um and he's around bond's age which you know rick van der and Connery were. Despite mm-hmm. me not knowing how old Cease Linda was, um, they you know they, they they seem closer in age. They seem more contemporaries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so
3: he's a bit of a an actual counterpart to Bond, an American right. version of Bond. Yeah. Whereas, in a lot of the uh, iterations, versions we see in the films, he's definitely not a, a, like an American. He's more like a de, like desk detective, isn't he? Yeah. Just definitely doesn't look like you know, especially in the case of maybe uh, Linda. He, he's that's you know he's not at the peak of physical perfection like bond is. <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> on the timeline yeah. we've got the the Semic comics Alan what what are
0: those? okay so once they started to get what well, after Anne Fleming passed away and the sort of world of doing continuations and stuff for Bond opened up because she didn't have to approve it anymore we started getting the the new novels like the, the John Gardner ones and so forth and in Sweden the people who were uh, translated, reprints of the newspaper strips started to create their own um, new original James Bond stories that were just published in Swedish to start with. And then in other languages around Europe. And several of those have brought back Felix Leiter as Bond's sort of sidekick counterpart. And um, there's some really good fun stories there. Um, actually one of my favorite ones has Bond and Felix Leiter trying to track down the arch villain by going to a real estate agent who specializes in layers for Supervillains, um, <laughs> and basically finding out which you know volcano or cave or whatever that the supervillain they're after rented recently, um, and that was sort of Lighter's Le- idea: is let's go, let's go and find out you know what hideout this guy's rented re- recently. So, um, I just, I just love the the way they use Lighter in those. Again, he, he's Bond's counterpart, but he also comes up with some interesting ideas and they using him in some of those stories. If you're interested in some of those stories, if you go to the Comics Royale. Uh, website the guy who runs that who's also uh, a bond guy in Texas um, is systematically working through and translating those Swedish stories back into English or into English for the on the comics royale website so if you're interested in seeing what those Swedish original James Bond stories look like they about once a month a new one gets translated and posted on uh, comicsroyale.com so I highly recommend that there there are f- fun new Bond stories to go discover
2: Oh, we'll definitely have to check those out. On to the next incarnation of Felix Leiter, and I would say probably one of the least successful, is Norman Burton as Felix in Diamonds Are Forever. He was the fourth actor to play uh, the character. And obviously, this is the one where you see uh, Felix posing as a a customs official to meet Bond when he arrives in L.A. with the body of Peter Franks. And they have the, uh, the back and forth, which has the elementary Dr. Leiter line in it. And then you also see that Leiter has been investigating uh, the, the the diamond of smuggling ring in in Vegas, and also he he helps with um, freeing Willard White from the house um, later on. And then he also pops up again in at the end with the raid on the oil rig base. But he's a he's probably he's quite an unlikely Felix Lighter. I think he seems a lot older bond less of a contemporary than we just had with rick van nutter he's also a bit mm. he's probably i don't know polite way of saying it he's a bit more he's less suave he's a bit more coarse he's a bit more comical um he's a bit jw pepper yeah yeah he's a bit of a stranger that on this bad. one yeah he's
3: definitely for me I, I i actually just had to type his name because i completely forgotten what he'd look like. Yeah. Then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely one of the most forgettable. I don't know if that's the film, but um, also, yeah, I don't think he is an inspired casting for for Connery at that point.
0: He's a very passive version of Felix Leiter. He actually doesn't. He's he's there, but he's not actually really contributing much. You know, mm. he, he may be ordering guys around to watch the door, or you know, but he's on the radio with people, or he turns up after things like you you mentioned the, the escape of Willard White. You know, the re- sorry, the rescue of Willard White. He turns up afterwards. You know, after Bond's done all the work, uh, you know, he's in the helicopter directing the fight at the oil rig, but he never gets involved. I don't know, he seems very passive.
3: I I suppose the difference, isn't it, with uh, he's in that film he is just a cia agent that's helping bond and he's not meant to be just a cia agent help his bond mm. he's meant to be his friend and he's yeah. helping him yeah. but he's in the cia yeah then that's that distinction in the films that it, it really works it just seems like the cia thing is an addition to it because they've got the resources behind them but he they want to help bond anyway
0: right i mean it could have been any cia agent or any yeah. local field yeah. agent yeah. yeah
2: yeah i guess that's the point isn't it yeah so um, the actor, Norman Burton, he was born in 1923 in New York. He actually studied at the famed Actors Studio, studying under Lee, Lee Strasberg, learning about method acting. And he had a, a decent career. He, he worked for three decades. He had did more than 40 movies and 23 TV roles. Some of the things on on his CV include um, Towering Inferno and Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And then on TV... Again, done the circuit, has appeared in Murder, She Wrote, I Dream of Jeannie, Kojak, those sorts of things. So talking in, in his bedside companion, uh, Raymond Benson, talking about this version of Felix Leiter, he said that he considered Burton to be overweight and too old for the role. Harsh, but uh, probably quite accurate. And uh, he, the actor who played him, he died in 2003 in a car accident. He was 79. So on to... Alan's favourite uh, Felix Leiter. And probably ah, mine, I yes. think.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably mine as well, to be honest. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, Tom said that C-Slender is who he thinks about when he visualises when the name Felix Leiter comes up. For me, it's it's David Hedison all the way. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. so yeah. the first Felix Leiter that was played twice by the same actor. So he starred uh, in Live and Let Die, first off. So this Felix Leiter... Again, playing although it's the same actor, it's slightly different Felix Leiter's. So in this one, he's sort of behind the scenes. He's tracking Kananga. And he's also there when uh, Sheriff Pepper isn't happy with what Bond's done and he sort of smooths things over. Now, the interesting thing about us doing the A to Z is that because we've just done Licence to Kill and Live and Let Die and now we're doing Leiter, we have covered David Hederson quite a bit. Um, So do go back and and, uh, have a listen to those as well. Some might say too Um, much, Brendan. (laughs) 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 And so at the end of the film, he is uh, integral to the role of destroying Kananga's poppy fields. Um, And Hedison actually says about how he got this. I don't know if we spoke about how he got the role. I can't remember. We've spoken about it so much, we probably have, but I'm going to say it again. So he said, I was having dinner with the screenwriter Tom Mankovitz and he asked if I was interested in playing Felix Leiter in Live and Let Die. I read the script and thought it would be great fun to work on a James Bond film with Sean Connery, who was supposed to do it. Next thing I knew, Sean stepped out and Roger Moore stepped in. I couldn't have been happier since Roger and I were good friends. So, 16 years later, he appears in Licence to Kill and this time he is working for the DEA and they are on the trail of Frank Sanchez who is a drug lord it's it's a darker as we've covered it's much darker and also unfortunately lighter's experience is also darker in this one because Sanchez is captured but he escapes and then he he actually kidnaps Felix Leiter on his wedding night takes him to his shark tank and where lighter gets fed to sharks This actually is like the catalyst for the whole film, really. Bond goes on a revenge mission purely because of what's happened. Uh, Felix Leiter just got married, but his wife has been killed. He's seriously maimed. So Bond goes out for, for revenge. David Hederson said there was much more to do in this film than in the past, and they were afraid of using an unknown or someone they weren't quite sure of. I think in this kind of film, it won't lead to other work unless you do something standout with a really wonderfully written scene. Otherwise, you're just doing a job, part of an ensemble. So interesting that we talked about ensemble where here is David Hedison. He sees the importance of that, you know, back in 1989. But he does say, Felix is a fairly one-dimensional character. You can never get into any depth. You do what you can. but There's not much to play. All you can do is perform with a simple reality. It was running around, bang, bang, getting wet, screaming and yelling and all kinds of fun, but not serious acting. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of both of them to be fair both of his incarnations
3: yeah he's he's great i i um i, I always think that the the roger Moore link cup always reminds me a bit of like a persuaders persuaders vibe in it because they have a they sort of play off each other and they are quite similar in certain way he's the british equivalent of him and it they do seem like they're on the same level as well mm. which is quite nice which they don't normally get get quite right so i think it does work really well in that in that film he's definitely one of the best ones for me when it comes to license to kill i think um because the character is with timothy dalton it doesn't quite work as well and they lean far too into the sort of personal relationships between the two which I, is sort of copying the book it's, it's it's following what they did in the books where they had that close relationship but it's almost like the audience isn't quite ready for it because you've never had that before in any in any film, so I think this is probably the best example of a relationship that works really well in the context of the of the films. They they must have had a, uh, a in the back of their heads thinking, well, Roger was really good in Persuaders. This might work really well, and I think it paid off.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting that really, it's actually both movies together is Felix Slider's story from the book Live and Let Die because the maiming is in live and let die so if you're going to do the maiming of felix Leiter, having it be the same felix Leiter that was in live and let die mm-hmm. makes sense because it's it's a continuation of his story in many ways um and yeah he and roger work together there's um in, in several things but there's there's an episode of the saint where the, david Hedison is the guest star in it and the storyline i think has david Hedison and whoever's well, playing his wife anyway they're in some hotel in Europe and Simon Templar is trying to help them solve the problem, and the lady behind the counter thinks that Simon Templar is James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a great exchange with uh, "Are you really?" and he's like, he he doesn't confirm or deny it. Um, and th- th- there's an interesting exchange with David with David Heavison's character. And when you think about that in terms of where they the two of them eventually ended up working on the Bond movies together, it's sort of a, a neat little. Uh, foreshadowing of, of that relationship. So, yeah, they, clearly they knew each other and got on really well, and I think that shows in the movie. For me, yeah. one of the things I really love is David Hellison's one-sided telephone conversation where he's actually um, – Mr. Bell from the flying school is complaining. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, Which yeah.
0: clearly there would not be an actor on the other side of the uh, other end of the phone. David Hedison's just doing a one sided phone conversation about, you know, I'm sure you're a veteran too, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I, I think that's, I, I, I love that. While Roger's messing around with the ties and trying to distract him in the, in the background, um, I love yeah. that scene between the two of them. I think it really shows the friendship. Um, and I, I, I think, again, he's great in, uh, in License to Kill, the, you know, you know, the I'll See You in Hell Sanchez line, the way. He, he delivers it is just brilliant and uh, as you yeah. said it sort of provides the reason for Bond to you know go out and get revenge and you can believe that relationship is there just from those opening few scenes I think I'll stop so, going on about David Hedison I can go on about David Hedison's favourite slides probably for the rest of the <laughs> podcast uh, he, he died only a few years ago as well didn't he sadly yes he did yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Well, rem- I think he'll be remembered long by Bond fans um so Alan uh, up next, we've got the, the the Gardner novels. Felix Leiter appears in those.
0: Yeah, he's, he's only in a couple of the uh, John Gardner ones. But interestingly, um, in that, Dave, his daughter, um, Cedar Leiter, is pretty central to a lot of the John Gardner um, novels. And she actually has a uh, relationship, an ongoing relationship with Bond through several of the novels. Um, and she's a sleeper CIA agent. But Felix Leiter doesn't know his daughter is actually connected to the CIA at all um, and that she's a sleeper agent. Um, so I thought that was an interesting twist that uh, John Gardner put in there in uh, sort of bringing the character up to date and putting, uh, you know, bringing in his daughter. All
3: right, then on to, back to a, a, another film, Lighter, but not one that's probably classed as one of the, the real Lighters, Never Say Never Again. Uh, and this starred Bernie Casey uh, as Felix Lighter. Now I I I never really knew much about Bernie Casey. In fact, I've I've definitely uh, he, he's he's the sort of actor that he has appeared in quite a lot of stuff, but it tends to be sort of secondary roles. And when you look at them uh, in a list, you go, oh, yes, I remember him in that. I remember him in that because he does have quite um, noticeable roles in those in those films. And that's things like uh, another forty eight hours, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think he's the like teacher in that. Under Siege, Revenge of the Nerds three. I can't, I can't remember that one too well. Uh, I'm going to get you sucker. I remember watching that when I was younger. He was actually, he was a really big American football player at the time. I don't know anything about American football, so I'm not going to go into too much depth about this, but he played for the San Francisco 49ers as well as the LA Rams. But as he got a bit older, he decided that he was getting too old to play sport and he decided to move uh, into acting and yeah, started started appearing in films and did very well. He did a a, a masters in fine arts, so he had quite a, a, a good education um, for moving into the world of culture and arts and acting. He's 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 not really a never say never again that much. Actually, he's not he's not a massive character. He has a couple of scenes when um, Bond comes into uh, gets over to America, and he doesn't play it particularly excitingly. I think he's fine in it, um, but. It's not a very memorable role. He he doesn't really do a lot with um, with Connery in it. But according to some people, he some people really liked him. They've, they said he was uh, they've said he's a really compelling Felix Leiter. Uh, uh, in fact, Smith and Lavington, uh, who wrote a book called Bond Films, uh, said he was the most com- compelling Felix Leiter since Jack Lord. Although uh, they said that the script was the thing that didn't that sort of didn't work so well for him. So yeah, oh yeah, and also when he was taking on the role in never say never again connor apparently spoke to him uh, and said to try and get him to do it that he, in the lighter role he was he was he, he using a black lighter might make him more memorable so because it was the first time that he used a black actor in this role it would be a role that really defined him and um, would be a good reason for him to do it and uh, as we know he did do it but aside from that i don't really have a great deal about bernie casey He's surprisingly little information on him in the world of Bond, I try to find some interviews and stuff. But um, do do you guys remember him in in Never Say Never Again? Yes,
2: I think he's terrific uh, in in this actually, and I, I like the scene where they where they're running in their what is it the tennis outfits? They're all pretending to do tennis training. But yeah, I think I remember him most from um, Bill and Ted. Actually, now you've mentioned that, I yeah. think he is their teacher. Interesting that Sean Connery said that, that, that to make the character memorable. So it's, it feels like Connery was aware of the shortcomings of the different actors who'd played him uh, previously and I know Connery had had a lot of complaints about the levels of casting around him and that's why on Never Say Never Again he really pushed to have the best actors in the roles around him so you get a sense that he'd probably been disappointed with some of the actors he'd worked with and when you think back to the last time he
3: said that the lighter role was never remembered by audiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit sad. And the
2: last one he had worked with was, was Norman Burton in, in Diamonds Are Forever. So you can see why he... Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that actually he really cared enough, really. Mm-hmm. Well, he never got to work with Edison, did he? No, no. That's true. That's true. It would have been different. changed his tune. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I quite liked uh, Bernie Casey in Never Say Never Again.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought he was he, he was good. I, I like the fact that, you know, he was there to, to sort of greet Bond and had you know, all this, you know, Bond's house ready and the, the motorcycle ready and, you know, the mm-hmm. liaises liais on the stuff. And I, yeah, I like the scene, um, you know, af- after the explosion when they're basically, as you said, you know, Connery's on the bicycle and he's sort of doing the lighters running after him as if they're out training to make themselves, uh, you know, blend into the crowd around them and get away from the from the action. I thought that was good. So yeah, I, I thought he was good. Um, one of the more memorable ones, definitely. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what little he had to work with, I think he did very well with it.
2: So on from someone who had very little to work with to someone who had even less to work with. And that's (laughs) John Terry in The Living Daylights. And when Brendan and I were talking, when we did, um, was it Licence to Kill? We were talking about, oh, yeah whether or not there'd been another Felix between the two that David Hedison had done and it was only through a Google search that we realised oh yeah Felix is in Living Daylights as well so uh, played by John Terry he was actually born in Florida in 1950 and became an actor in 1980 when he moved to New York but he he, he's only plays a very fleeting part in um, Mm. Living Daylights he helps uh, rescue Bond from the um, police in Tangiers and then it turns out they've both been working on the same case involving Brad Whitaker. John Terry, actually his, most, uh, his debut role was the title character in this film, uh, Hawk the Slayer, which he starred with Jack Palance. I also looked into Hawk the Slayer, also apparently starred Bernard Breslau as a giant and Roy Kinnear. Father of future Tanner, Rory Kinnear. Have you not seen this? No, I haven't seen it. This is like geek royalty f- movies. <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. It's a classic. And he also starred in a few other films. The only one that caught my eye was Wild Geese Two, which uh, mm. also starred Barbara Carrera. But in in 1987, as well as appearing in Living Daylights, he also starred in Full Metal Jacket as well. And after license, um, after Living Daylights, he had a lot of success in TV, and probably most famous now for playing. Uh, jack shepherd's dad in lost yeah Um, that's how i remember him yeah yeah but he was was in 24 as well yeah he was also in 24 and in er in the early episodes and also in a a program called Las vegas Um, and apparently he was in david finch's zodiac but i don't i don't remember him but like i said i don't really remember him that much in the living daylights either it's such a fleeting appearance he makes a phone call doesn't he yeah and he wears a blue jacket (laughs) Yeah. he's got a cool blue jacket that's
3: that's, yeah. that's the best bit of it yeah yeah
0: he's the forgettable one you're right i mean i really really try and stretch to remember that he was even in that movie so yeah. back to the novels and we've got the uh the raymond benson novels so i don't know if you know raymond benson is actually from texas we're all from texas really <laughs> um so raymond's from texas um and so he liked the fact that felix Leiter was it was a texan so he wrote him into the novels and I will say that sort of got me my first Bond writing gig because I actually did a piece for Austin Monthly on Bond's connection to Austin and Texas through Felix Leiter because there's a Tex-Mex... I'm going off piste piece here, but there's a Tex-Mex <laughs> chain in Austin um, called Chewies, and on the wall they actually have a plaque that says James Bond ate here because in Raymond B- Benson's novel Facts of Death he actually does go to Austin on a case and teams up with Leiter and Leiter takes him to Chewy's. <laughs> um, mm. So... Um, but in that, uh, Felix Leiter is retired. Um, he's retired back to Austin. Um, he's actually in a wheelchair, but of course it's a gadget-laden wheelchair. He has guns hidden in it and nightsticks, and it's motorized. And uh, the two of them take down a bunch of uh, criminals who are um, shipping bioweapons out from a farm just outside of outside of Austin, Texas, and Leiter's right in the middle of the action. So um, that's a good cool. It's called Facts of Death, um, that one. And uh, yeah, Leiter... Uh, Raymond Benson basically bought Lighter back into the Bond the bond world as a retired agent who was now a freelance security consultant with a, uh, a kick-ass wheelchair um, and some fun gadgets. Um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it's one of my favourite Benson novels. It's probably one of my top two Raymond Benson novels, uh, not just because it's set in Austin. It's, it's a really good story, but I uh, highly recommend it. If you want to find out what happened to Felix Lighter after he retired, that's the story to read. And how was Chewie's? Choice is good, but it's not my favourite text mix. Right. Now, <laughs> 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 after all the publicity I just gave them, they should at least come me a meal. I think <laughs> uh,
2: and then we've got the Dark Horse comics as well. Um, Alan, what can you tell us about those?
0: Um, so, Dark Horse comics. Um, there was several different series from Dark Horse. They. Had the license for a bit in the sort of around the start of the timothy dalton era um and there was a couple of series that lighter appeared in i think he was in the uh, permission to die uh, which is a th- three issue series done by mike Rell. That was a really interesting one um, the fun thing about that story it involved it, he really brings together a lot of the stuff from the movies and the novels Somehow he got away with actually mixing the two franchises together on, in the comic. Um, and the other thing is the Berlin Wall fell in the middle of that story being published. And the story was about them actually bringing somebody from East Germany into the West. So it sort of dated very quickly between the second and third issues being published. But it's it's a good classic Bond story. Um, I, it's one I actually recommend if you've never read a Bond comic that's actually probably the one I'd go look for, is Permission to Die. Um, because the guy who wrote and drew it, Mike Grell, is a huge Bond fan and he knows his Bond stuff really well. Um, and then Felix Leiter also pops up in another series called The Quasimodo Gambit, which is not quite so good, but it's, it's still a fun read. So those are the two Dark Horse comics, that you, original stories that you'll find uh, Felix Leiter in is Permission to Die and then The Quasimodo Gambit. So
2: then to end with the most famous now of all the lighters, just purely because he's done it more than twice, <laughs> it's Geoffrey uh, Wright, Brendan.
1: Yeah, so after having no lighter on screen for 17 years, the soft reboot of Casino Royale brings in a new Felix lighter, Geoffrey Wright. It's it's revealed because we don't know it's, uh, it's Felix Leiter until he reveals himself on the stairs, I think, isn't it? But up until then, you like, who is this guy? Because he's just sat there playing poker the game with uh, Le Chiffre and Bond. So obviously Bond loses all the cash and is desperate and he, he needs to lean on that uh, financial support of the US. Uh, and and Le- Leiter is at hand to help him out. And then in the following film, Quantum of Solace, he gets a, a, a bit, bit of a bigger role. And thereafter, a corrupt CIA agent, a CIA agent, Greg Beam, and Felix Leiter basically warns Bond of the danger uh, after he goes rogue and tell him where he can find Dominic Green as well. And then at the end of the film, M actually tells Bond that Leiter has been promoted into Greg Beam's old position. Now, we've talked about Quantum Solace before in terms of the rewrites, the number of rewrites it went through and it was being rewritten whilst they were shooting as well but felix Leiter actually had a larger role in the early rewrites but it was restricted and chopped down um as they went on unfortunately and then he gets a mention in spectre i think it's just a mention though uh he's not on screen he's not on screen until no time to die now i'm gonna put a spoiler warning here because I think I'm going to be the first person on our podcast to actually say what I'm going to say. <laughs> so spoiler warning, if you've not seen No Time to Die, don't continue listening. So Bond is retired. He's, he's out of MI6. And it's not until he's dragged back by Felix Leiter and Logan Ash. They track Bond down and they drag Bond out of retirement there's a great scene in Havana that again back to ensemble that's a really great scene CIA agent Logan Ash is a double agent and and turns on Leiter and Bond and Felix Leiter actually drowns so there's the first spoiler and it's quite a poignant moment actually because I think they've, they've built up um <laughs> no no because I'm going to mention they also kill Bond there you go <laughs> right. um, just in case <laughs>
0: I love the way you uh, just
1: casually threw that in there, you know? uh, <laughs> just as an aside. No, it's because there's. A, I've got a quote as well. It's going to reference yeah. that. He'll, he'll ruin the ending of Lost next. <laughs> yeah, it's poignant. They've built up to that moment. You know, they've they've built up quite a relationship purely because Jeffrey Wright has played it for the most uh, on screen that anyone's played it. But Jeffrey Wright says, "Oh, and especially the quote that James Bond says to Logan Ash when he kicks the car and crushes him. I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter." Again, adding more weight to that relationship, that it's a bit deeper than a friendship. So Jeffrey Wright, before the film came out, was asked what this would bring. And he said, well, I think it's known that Felix pulls James back into the game and away we go from there. And he says it gives more weight to his return because he hadn't been in the previous two films. Because it's like a big deal, him coming back to to get Bond out of retirement. And then in terms of after the release, he said, well, Daniel and I had a nice run. And if he's gonna go out, we, in a sense, should go out together. So I like the way that we rounded it out. And what we did was celebrate the bond, for a lack of better word, between the two characters in a way that was appropriate. So yeah, that's that's the the lighter that most people listening are gonna be aware of. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I th- I think Jeffrey Wright's a very good lighter. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. It he's, he's, he works
3: perfectly for Daniel Craig. Yeah. He, he's just. He's around the same age. Obviously, Craig's a little bit fitter than him, but you can see they're both. You know, they're they're action guys. They yeah. they get in there and they and they do it. I always think it's funny with the the rounding off in No Time to Die of Felix Lizer because it feels like he's been in it all the time, but he hasn't. You really yeah. been in it in Casino Royale and a bit in Quantum. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's probably more poignant than it should be because he's mm. he's not really been in the last two. Yeah. Uh, but that's a testament to, to to how they played that out. But I yeah, I think he's fantastic in it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It really did feel like he'd been in all five movies and, and he hadn't. Um, I was actually shocked when you said it was 17 years gap with no lighter. I actually realized when yeah. you said it and yeah. I did the math. Yeah, it, it is, but I'd never really thought of it in those terms. It was a long gap for that yeah. character not to be around, as we said, because it feels like he's in a lot more movies than he actually is and like you said with the Craig ones it feels like he's is a constant through line in all five and, and he's definitely yeah. not and well
3: as you say about the books he bookends it doesn't he, he he's, does, he's, yeah he's really yeah. need him for the start
0: and finish yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I thought his his death scene was really well played there's there's mm-hmm. great behind the scenes specials on um on the official podcast they talked about doing the sound effects for that and how the the two guys did that scene over and over again in the, in all that water and stuff to get and how they were pacing the dialogue so the bubbles didn't overlap the dialogue and the dialogue didn't overlap the sound effects they were going for. And they, the, the work that those two guys put into that scene was just immense. Um, and it really shows. and uh, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think he's the right, but he's the right lighter for, for Daniel Craig's bond, isn't he? They're both mm-hmm. quite, quite dry yeah. sense of humor. Um, yeah. mm. they're not um over you know over excited actors on screen they sort of very measured um and I think that sort of um comes across really well and adds to that sense that depth of what w- how you feel that relationship has gone much beyond yeah. what we've ever seen from a felix lighter before and they you know they even talk about felix's family uh in that scene in no time to die while well, they're in the bar. And that's something right, yeah. that, you know, just adds that sort of extra level. They're not just spies. They're like like grizzled old war dogs, aren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: They've both been through the ringer so many times that you kind of... That rapport works really well. I was thinking with the way that the old Felix lighters work, where they changed... Even with the same bomb, they changed the lighters. It just wouldn't have worked in the, the Craig gear, would it? It would have been so weird to, to, to do that. Mm. But, um, yeah, just... Uh, yeah, that 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 relationship between the two is fantastic, and it it does tie it off nicely at the end. That you just think, oh they're so tired, <laughs> but they're both tired because they've been through it together. Right.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting <laughs> to see actually how much screen time Jeffrey Wright has because I'm sure it's really short. Yet it's still built up in, in, enough, yes, of yeah, in yeah. enough of emotional impact for us when we he, when he did die at the yeah, end. Yeah. And I'm sure it's like hardly any time at all. I'm sure it's only a few minutes, and it's a real testament to the two of them that they can yeah. really sell that relationship with such limited amount of dialogue and screen time together yeah Yeah, it it feels earned i
2: think doesn't it rather than being you know something that you don't feel um anything for it does feel earned in that moment
3: i think i think it also does lend itself nicely to the fact that uh jeffrey wright plays very similar characters in a lot of films so you've he's already built that up you're kind of like you associate his other films with all the effort that he's put into his career and you think, God, he has done a lot, yeah. <laughs> just say like it like with the Batman films and stuff like that, he's just very
1: he's a very all grizzled sort of veteran. Uh and you can just he just always looks tired as well. I think the other thing that's impressive is you believe the off screen relationship. Like there's a belief that these two have gone on missions before. Yeah. Yes, yes. that's key, is yeah. that's a key yeah. point yeah. To yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I was just gonna say the reason we didn't have a Felix lighter for so long was Uh, this is something we talked about on GoldenEye is that they felt that the continuity of having Felix Leiter in GoldenEye and having been physically able after he'd been eaten in Licence to Kill was a stretch too far for audiences. That's why they introduced Jack Wade at that point as the surrogate for, for Felix Leiter. And that's why he wasn't in those films, which is a shame because it would have added a through line if they'd brought Hedison back, I mean, that would have been, uh, something quite yeah, special. Why not, have, but, um,
0: why not have him wear a prosthetic? I mean, that yeah. would have sent a, you know, cause um, he yeah. does in the books. So
2: yeah. Maybe they just wanted to set something, set it apart. His yeah. era, the Brosnan era from, from the Dalton. But, uh, yeah, it, an interesting what if, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just going back to the, the Daniel Craig, Jeffrey Wright thing. We, so we started off this talking about the special relationship, you know, that really lighter was the, the, uh, Indication of the special relationship between the two governments. What I liked about No Time to Die, and at the end of it, it's the relationship between those two characters. The relationship between the governments has fallen down, and it's actually the relationship between those two as individuals mm. that mm-hmm. brings every, brings the governments back together to stop the threat. So I, I like yeah. the fact that you know it starts off with the Jack Lord one. It's like I'm just a CIA guy on a mission, and by the time we get here. It doesn't matter what the governments are thinking or doing. It's about the two of them as individuals. And I really like that through line. Whether it was deliberate or not, um, I think it's it's really cool.
2: So that's the Felix Leiter's in the movies. What other Felixes should we be aware of, Alan, uh, in the world of Bond?
0: Okay, so what did we not talk about? So we haven't talked about Dynamite Comics, have we? No. Nope. Okay. Dynamite Comics is the current publisher of the James Bond comics, has been pretty much through all the Craig era. Um, They do some really good stuff. What I like about them is Felix Leiter is very much a major character in that series. We just talked about actually having prosthetics. He has a cybernetic arm and prosthetics in that, which actually is used as a plot device because he can like put breathers in it and go underwater and have breathers in his arm and electronics and stuff like that. It's there's a whole story right up front about how he gets the cybernetic arm that makes a lot of sense within that continuity. Um, And he and Bond are Best buddies, he pops up throughout a lot of the stories providing support for Bond, not just in the field, but emotional support. There's a great one of the, there's a great story, graphic novel called Reflections of Death, which basically is the two of them in a pub reminiscing over this whole sequence of events that they've just been through. So, um, and there's also a Felix Leiter focused miniseries, four issue miniseries of Felix Leiter teaming up with Tiger Tanaka to take down bioterrorists in japan which is brilliant oh, and i think would make would make an awesome netflix series i would love to <laughs> If there's any spin-off i want to see a felix Leiter tiger tanaka buddy movie series on netflix um based on that story because it's really cool um so he's he's a you know uh, in one of the recent stories uh, bond basically shoots felix lighter in the head to prove that he's defected to specter and you know Lighter sort of goes along with it because he knows Bond's a good enough shot that he'll like crease his skull but not blow his head off, um, type stuff. So you know, two of them are really, really close. They're he's a really great character, um, really well written. Um, so I'm on record. I'm not a huge fan of the Daniel Craig movies. I actually think the best Bond stuff that's been done over the last several years has been the Dynamite comics. For me, that's the best contemporary Bond. And um, Felix Leiter is front and center of those stories. If he's not actually right in the middle of the story, he, he is definitely a very strong supporting character, probably more so than M or Money Penny or Q. I mean, he really is Bond's sort of. I was going to make a bad joke. He really is Bond's right arm, but it's a prosthetic one, it's a cybernetic <laughs> one. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I uh, highly recommend them. The character of Felix Leiter knows he's really good, as you can probably tell because I keep going on about it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you haven't read them, go- definitely on the list. Go read it. And if just if you don't want to read the rest of them, just, just check out the Felix mini miniseries. I think it's collected as a, um, a hardcover and softcover versions, or you, I think you can get it digitally on Comixology. Um, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, it's not Comicsology anymore, is it? It's part of Amazon. So you can get it, if you're on Amazon Kindle, you can get it on there. And then we've got a couple of others that you noted down. Uh, carte Blanche and Solo. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned the John Gardner ones. You have Felix's daughter and the uh, no, William Boyd's novel solo you have Felix's nephew is the CIA agent, William right. Leiter um, and then of course we cannot forget James Bond Jr <laughs> never,
3: never forget James Bond Jr
0: <laughs> um, which features Gordo Leiter Felix's son who is Bond's best friend at um, and resident jock at Warfield Academy of course so.
3: Certainly the best version of Leiter I imagine. <laughs>
0: Probably yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow what that odyssey we've been on with Felix Leiter. Who knew there was so much to know about uh just one character. Yeah, thanks for coming on Alan and um broadening our our, uh, our horizons in terms of Bond. Uh, we we've tended to stick to the movies on the podcast just to keep our lives simpler, but um sounds like you've I done should have f- done that 6 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Seems like you've done all the hard work for for everyone else and yeah, we we thank you for it definitely. Um So if people want to get hold of
0: the the lexicon, how do they get hold of it? Uh, It's on the aforementioned Amazon. Um, It's on all the Amazon world websites. um, And it's also on a lot of independent um, online bookstores. If you actually go to our companion website, James Bond, online, and check out the books page, it gives you a link to all the places that we know it is available online. If you don't want to use Amazon, otherwise you can get it from your local Amazon global site.
2: Cool. And all, all this stuff about Felix Leiter is is, is in there. Um, it's amazing the amount of detail you've got in that book. It's um, It Thank really you. is incredible. Um, uh, Brendan, do you want to ask the ultimate question?
1: Well, it's slightly tweaked, isn't it? Yeah. Well, why don't we ask both of them? Because... Okay. So I'll ask the question then. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, the groaning question. <laughs> the
1: groaning question. Who do you think should play the next James Bond?
0: So I actually have two in mind depending on which way they go so if they want to go for something that's a bit more not quite daniel craig level seriousness but a bit of a more serious bond aiden turner is probably my lead Mm. choice very good if they want to go for a bit more of a light-hearted bond mark rowley Mm -mm. who plays finian on the last kingdom
2: Ah, so if you watch
0: if, if The Last Kingdom about uh, the Vikings and the Saxons and all that good stuff he plays Finn in the Irish mercenary on that and I think he'd be a good light hearted Bond so those are, my, those are the two that are sort of top of my list So
1: it's impressive you've got two answers most people don't have any so that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: we'll, cu- we'll cut one of those and save it <laughs> for someone else <laughs> uh, now for the proper question alright so what was, the, what was the tweet question
1: The tweet question is Who do you think should play the next Felix Leiter?
0: Okay, so it should be somebody from Texas. All right, let's start with that one. Okay, Okay. (laughs) yeah, yeah. All right. Given. Okay, so if it's an older Leiter and it's somebody from Texas, Matthew McConaughey, Owen Wilson. A bit more of a contemporary, maybe James Marsden. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd be good. He would. Yeah. 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 as he worked with Jeffrey Wright on Westworld, he could probably give him a few tips. They probably know, they know each other, so they will know how to play play lighter. Um, but the other thought I had is, what we have all this thing about you know, we're going to get a female James Bond. How about we get a female lighter, and we actually get Cedar lighter, and not Felix lighter mm. in a reboot? Mm. Yeah, um, and that made me think of, and I'm going to butcher her name now adrian palicki from agents of shield who played uh bobby morse on agents of shield and she did that wonder woman pilot yes back several years ago um i think she'd be good as a mm-hmm. female cia agent called lighter so yeah those, those those are my choices yeah and they're all well she's not actually from texas but she does live in austin so i'll give her that one other, that's yeah.
3: great. We never. That's ridiculous number of answers for those questions. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Although you do, ha, you do have a, a Bond lexicon. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone was going to have a lot of answers,
0: what about you two? Have you, have, have you given it anything? I was going to say, yeah. What are, we, what are your thoughts on who should play Felix Leiter? The Rock. But,
1: Done.
3: The rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I think it's really. I I don't think I could answer it unless I knew who the Bond was because it's so integral to yeah. getting yeah. the actor yeah. right for Bond. If you start thinking about Leiter you've made the mistake already that you know and that's if they've done that in the past where well they they wouldn't do because you know they're not picking lighters before they pick bonds but you get the wrong lighter straight away you just know it you just it just doesn't work does it so yeah i think i think it's got to be completely dependent on the bond it is like if it's a young bond if they do a period bond and they get like a 25 year old um bond in you need a 25 year old lighter or someone around that age to really not like otherwise they become a father figure don't they yeah I don't know, Brendan. have you got one? You've been thinking about this, haven't
1: you? Not really, no. It, it, I think I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, don't, I, don't, I could throw away all the usual names, can't I? Throw them out there. But I like the idea of James Marsden, actually. I'm, I might get on board with that. I said Channing Tatum was my first thought earlier. Stop. You should stop giving answers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop giving answers. We, we've
3: had plenty tonight. You don't need any more.
2: <laughs> um well I I was thinking Owen Wilson as well because it like I said he's he's a Texan um and then I thought if if they went younger the only other younger actor from Texas I could find was Caleb Landry Jones who was Banshee in X-Men first class and he's I got remember. the shaggy hair and but he's a bit weird so I don't know he might be a bit out there for a, for a Felix lighter, but that's who I had mm okay so uh, alan thank you so much for joining us on the james bond a to z podcast if people want to find you online how can they um how
0: can they track you down uh so for my bond related stuff you can get me on twitter at bond lexicon or on instagram at james bond lexicon um, and like i said there's always the books companion website um james bond Lexicon um, you can keep up with What we're doing. And of course, I must mention the Honor Majesty's Secret podcast network, where you can find a wide variety of shows about various aspects of Bond, which I'm also on. Lovely
2: stuff. Plenty. Uh, uh, Worth mentioning that that you co authored James Bond Lexicon as well. So I think maybe it's probably fair to credit your co author as well.
0: Yeah, my wife never listens to the podcast I'm on anyway. She she doesn't even listen to the one she's on. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, the James Bond Lexicon was uh, co authored by my wife, Jill. So it's, yeah. There we go. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't have done it without her. There we go. Right, well, so it just remains for me
2: to say that the James Bond A to Z podcast will return. Yeah, how did people get in touch with the podcast?
3: If you want to send us an email, that's the podcast at jamesbondaz.co.uk. Or you can
1: get us on the socials at Z on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
2: Like I mentioned before, the James Bond A to Z podcast will return next week.
1: Lovely
3: stuff. <laughs> Ciao. James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley with music by Tom ingram and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly.
1: Sorry I should have introduced myself seeing as we're related. Felix Slater, a brother from Langley. You should have a little faith.